0: another mama of the house bethia will you just come share your heart with us today preacher beth we just bless you bethia we thank you for the mama that you are father i just thank you uh, for the way that you relate to bethia Mm -hmm. it's precious it's precious i thank you for how you designed her i thank you for what bubbles on the inside of her lord Uh, and how she brings her peace to this beautiful pie that we're all part of. I thank you for the peace that comes with Bethia, both meanings of the word peace. Lord, I thank you for it. And we receive her today. We receive what's on her heart, and we bless her. I pray that you would just strengthen her, that angels would minister to her even as she gives out, that you'd be pouring back in to her. Lord, that she would enter into tomorrow refreshed. I thank you that you protect her from the cost and just bless her. In Jesus' name, amen. freedom <laughs> uh, okay. so I'm just going to start by praying Lord Father God I pray that you will just drop revelation into our heart about who you are today I pray that I pray that you'll just slip straight past the defences and the lies we've believed in our mind and you'll come right in and you'll transform us, Lord. I know that, like, I don't have any power to do that, but I just pray that you would do that, Lord. And, and I just pray that you would just, you know, take over my mouth and say whatever you want. Yeah, I love you, Lord. Amen. Okay. So if you're in this building, it's it's pretty likely that most of you have encountered the love of the Father at some point in time. And, you you know, some of you might not have, but most of you probably have if you're here. And some of you might have felt it like, you know, that, that burning hunger in your belly where it's it's weird because you're hungry and you're satisfied at the same time and it and it feels like this cyclical thing where you're like, Oh, I'm so hungry for you. Oh my gosh, I've obtained you. You're you're in me and, and it's and it's wonderful. Or, you know, some of you might feel it more like, you know, that excitement and fun and joy and pleasure and you've encountered that aspect of his nature. And so you might love just going out in the bush or going kayaking and just enjoying the artwork that he made out there and and that's how you connect with him. Um, You know, you tell silly jokes with him and you play with him. Um, Or maybe some of you, you know, like me, you like to write little songs for him and then sing them to him and then wait to feel how he feels when he receives them and, and it just fills up your belly with this love and it's so cool. Or, you know, feeling that he's delighted in you. You know, when you've received that feeling of like, oh, dad's delighted with me. Wow, this, this is awesome. I could do anything. Dad loves me. He thinks I'm great. He approves of me. <laughs> or, you know, that one where you feel that fire in your belly it's like this strange fire, and where the love burns so hot that your body hardly knows how to respond, and you just, you just want to flick around and wrap your arms around the Father and just cry and thank him and just tell him how awesome he is. So, for lots of us, these feelings have either, ne- either never happened or they're distant memories, or. They just happen here and there, like little patches, but we can't seem to just get a hold of him and keep him. (laughs) You know, we have these encounters with his love and then it's like, where are you? Where where did you go? Like, how how come I can't keep a hold of you, Lord? Um, So if you haven't felt God so close like this lately, it's almost impossible to pour your love out on him because we're first receivers and then givers, Um, we can't give out of an empty tank, you know. Um, So when we're not um, experiencing his love, then we don't know how to give his love. Um, So we're doing this regular monthly fast coming up next weekend and that can be super discouraging when your love tank is running on empty and you might feel like, this pressure to give God even more. And it's like, oh man, not more pain, more giving, more, more, more. And it's just it's just this wearying feeling, you know? And you feel so dried up that it makes you just want to cry about giving anything more. And so I just wanted to encourage you that, you know, your heavenly Father really loves you and he doesn't need anything from you. And he sees how tired you are and he sees where you're running on empty And he doesn't require anything more from you. Instead, I strongly felt his heart this week of wanting to pour out on us. I felt as though he wants to feed us this fast. So we talk a lot about feasting um, on Jesus, which is fasting. (coughs) But I felt like, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) I felt like he wanted um, to actually spoon feed us you know rather than us approaching him trying to feed off him it was it was just like a little shift in the direction of our mindset where we'd lay in the stillness like Amy was talking about and let him feed us let us receive from him um, yeah he has no demands on you to perform for him during this fast I hear I just, when I was preparing, I heard this verse in the back of my mind, and it's um, Jesus talking in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. It says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You see, Father God wants our hearts, not our hands. He doesn't need our hands. He doesn't need our gifts, he doesn't need anything from us, actually. He doesn't need our sacrifice. He doesn't need our labor. He just longs for us, his children, to come away with him and rest and recover. Rest in the stillness, just knowing that he's God. This fast is about him ministering to you, not about you ministering to him. There's a place for that. But I felt as though this fast wasn't, that's not his agenda right now. Father God wants to teach us to be receivers first and then givers of his love. We can't give something we haven't received. Like it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. He poured his love into us, and then we had something to give back. <laughs> I've got a story about learning to be a receiver. <laughs> One time... I was hurt very badly by somebody. It was the most pain that I've ever been through. It was excruciating. I was crying in my car and I said to the Lord, I can't forgive. I, I can't. I want to. I want to obey you and I know you say that I need to forgive, but I just can't. I can't find it in there. I'm empty of forgiveness, <laughs> you know. And I said, by Lord, please help me. And I'm crying and crying. And then out of the blue, I just had this random memory pop into my head of when I'd done something really awful. And I was like, oh, what's that doing there? And then as that one finished, another one dropped into my head. And I was like, oh, no. And then another and another and another. And I was bombarded with memory after memory after memory of all these things that I'd done. ...that it either really damaged other people or really damaged my relationship with God. And I was gutted. I was crying harder. I'd totally forgotten about the original question I'd asked him. You know, I was just consumed with what I'd done wrong and I was feeling horrible. And then, you know, I I, I don't want to call it a vision... ...because it was, it was more like a video playing out inside of my mind... ...but I had this video play out inside of my mind where where there was this figure of a man and he walked toward me and he had this red box in his hand and it was tied up with a ribbon and he walks up to me and I knew it was Jesus and he gives it to me and I untie it and I open the box up and inside there's this white stone and on the stone it says my name and then it says forgiven and I was crying and crying and then I heard the Lord say to me, Beth this is my gift of forgiveness for you and I was just feeling it. I felt so forgiven to my very core. I felt so forgiven that I just felt like I was exploding with with love. It was awesome. And then he said, now that I, you know, you're right that you had no forgiveness to give to this person. You're right, but now that I've given you this gift, you've got something to give away. And I was like, whoa, so I'm crying. And then I went home and I got a red box and I ordered a white stone online, a big white river stone, and I got it engraved with the person's name and the word forgiven and I put it inside the red box and then I wrote the vision down on a piece of paper and I gave it to the person and I said, you know, I, I couldn't forgive you but... God just forgave me and now I have something to give you and it's the most awesome thing like I seriously actually do. You you feel so free now. You don't have to carry that weight anymore. It's, it's off. How cool is that? <laughs> so, you know, all that to say that, you know, God loves to feed us with different aspects of his nature. So he fed me his forgiveness. He poured me full of it until I'd received forgiveness up to the brim and then I had something to give out. Graham Cook often says that God's not focusing on your sin, He's seeing what's missing from your experience of Him. So, when I wasn't experiencing God's forgiveness, you know, I couldn't obey His command to forgive. So, you know, you could have looked at that situation and said, Bethy is sinning by not forgiving, and if you focused on my sin, I wouldn't have found any freedom. As pointing at the sin doesn't help 99% of the time. It's just not helpful. But pointing out what you're missing from your experience of God, that changes everything. So when I did experience God's forgiveness, I had something to give away. In this fast, Father God wants you to experience the parts of his nature that you haven't received yet. Maybe you don't really know in your heart of hearts that he loves you. You know, a good way to check um, how much of Father God that you're experiencing in your life is to have a look at the fruit of the Spirit and have a look at which ones flow up naturally from you when you're under pressure. So... Um, you know, when the kids are screaming or, you know, when you're under the pump at work or whatever's happening, what are the fruits of the Spirit that just come naturally to the surface, bubbling up without you even trying? Because those are the ones where you've probably had an encounter with the Lord in that way. So you may have, you know, I used to really struggle with fear and panic attacks and I encountered His peace. And I'll often find that when I'm under pressure, um, you know, my first tendency is still to do fear, but I can easily find peace. Um, whereas, you know, there are other fruits that, um, you know, say if there's a fruit that you find never comes up, you always get um, anxious and panicky and fearful and you never f- find peace in those moments, then you can know, oh, hang on, I'm just missing out the, the aspect of God's nature of peace, And when you encounter that part of him, you know, then you're going to have something that will flow up from the inside. So A.W. Tozer says that what we think about God is the single most important thought we'll ever have because usually we live in response to our mental image of who God is. So I'll read that quote out. He says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Our worship is pure or base as the worshipper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the most important fact about any man or woman is what he conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. So if you have a mental image of God that's off in some way... You still believe that to be true and you still respond to him as if he's like that, even though he's not. But it's because you haven't encountered the true aspects of his nature that would shift your mind, you know. So <laughs> if you don't feel a deep, passionate love for God, don't stress out. It's usually just because there's something missing from your understanding. And Father God would be super delighted to share those parts of himself with you. Um You know, for others of us, maybe we don't really want to lay down in stillness and rest, waiting on the Father. Maybe that feels a bit powerless or weak, like it's not accomplishing anything. Um, Maybe you feel tempted to sort of take control of the situation and you don't really want to wait and receive his love. But the problem with that is that we can't love God until we've received his love for us. So if we try to love him first, we get the order of intimacy backwards and anything that we try and give him is based on our self-love, like our, the love that we created inside of ourself. And any love that didn't originate in him is actually self-righteousness. So it's a goodness that comes from ourself and not from God. It's false love, It's Pharisee love. It's broken love. It's self righteous love. God says in Isaiah 64 6 that our self driven attempts at love are like filthy menstrual rags. (laughs) When we don't want to wait on God and receive from Him and we take control instead, the problem is that we don't get fed. And we get super spiritually hungry. Some of us have gotten so hungry that we've been willing to eat anything, any rubbish that comes our way because we're starving hungry for the father but we're not receiving from him and so we're just living in this state of lack where we'll just take anything. In North Korea where the people are starving, they eat boiled bark off the trees and sand just to fill their tummies and stop that rumble, that gnawing rumble. And when us people don't eat, like we get desperate, you know, we'll stoop to anything. Let's read from 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24 to 29. Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. One day, as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called to him, "'Please help me, my lord the king.' Then the king answered, "'What is the matter?' She replied, "'This woman said to me, "'Come on, let's eat your son today, "'then we will eat my son tomorrow.' So we cooked my son and ate him. The next day I said to her, kill your son so we can eat him. But she has hidden her son. (laughs) How crazy is that? (laughs) So this country was already in famine and then the, the city itself was under siege. So no food was coming in and out. And these people were desperately hungry. Um. They got so starving that they paid crazy amounts of money to eat a donkey head, which in their culture was an unclean food that they would never usually eat, let alone a head. Um, And they even ate dove poo. They were paying money to eat poo. How crazy is that? And most shocking of all, a woman boiled her son and her and her friend ate him. In the same way, we can stoop to fill our spiritual hunger with gross stuff that we'd never consider eating when our bellies are full. So when the Father has just poured us full of his nature and himself, we'll never even consider eating gross alternatives. It doesn't even enter our head. But when we're starving, we'll stoop to that stuff, you know. When spiritual starvation is driving us, you know, We'll eat stuff that makes our spirits so sick, but we're just so hungry that it feels better than nothing. We might eat by watching porn or drinking excessively or getting into unhealthy sexual or emotional relationships or binging on junk food and endless TV shows, but all those things just never fill that spiritual hunger. They just make us sick. Like a starving person eating sand to fill their belly and stop their tummy rumbling, we eat these things and they stop the hunger for a minute but then they leave us feeling sick and gross the next day and we have to eat more just to get by. And it drives us to make more harmful choices. Some of us might not be starving spiritually but we're just getting by on a couple of spiritual encounters a week. I usually spot this in myself when I find myself going to the fridge over and over again and just opening it and looking in there and thinking... I'm so, I need something and I can't see anything in there that I want and then I shut the fridge and, oh, it's not that, it's not that. And Or if the kids come and they're like, "Mom, play with me, play with me and I'm like, oh, I don't want to. What do I want? I want something. I, I'm hungry. And and we'll sit down and I'll just watch a movie with them because at least then they're not needing from me and then I'm watching the movie thinking, oh, I don't want this, I don't want this. It's not the thing. When I catch myself in that space of just dissatisfaction, I'm like, Oh, I'm spiritually hungry. I haven't received from the Father. (laughs) I need to go have some time laying in stillness on my bed and just waiting to receive from Papa. When Father God looks at the gross stuff that we're eating, He can see what's missing from our experience of Him. He feels so much compassion for us as we try to live our lives without having received from Him first. He knows it's impossible. But we don't feel compassion for ourselves a lot of the time. We get so upset with ourselves for failing him and failing to find him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 says, Whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience. And he knows everything there is to know about us. Father God knows that it's impossible to make healthy choices when we haven't first received from him. He knows, guaranteed, that we will fail. He knows we just need an encounter with his love and his peace and his joy. He pursues us constantly and he never gives up on us. Every time we fail, he's there finding us again, but oftentimes our shame blinds our eyes and we can't see that he's there chasing us down. We feel unworthy of his affection and his attention, so we just don't believe that he's there. But it doesn't stop him. He pours his love out. He can't help it because that's what he is. He's love. But we don't receive it. We block it out thinking that can't be real or that can't be for me. I'm too sinful. I'm too unworthy. In the book of Hosea... God asks this bloke to marry this woman who's got a bit of a reputation for sleeping around. And he's like, man, I don't want to marry her. But he does it because he's obedient. (laughs) And then she cheats on him over and over again. And Hosea is gutted. And God says to him, Hosea, go out and find your wife. And he goes and finds her, cheating on him. And he brings her back into the home because Father God says, bring her back, restore her back to intimacy. And he's like... Oh, you know, it's killing him. It hurts his heart so much to do, but he just does it. And the next thing, she gets pregnant. And she gets pregnant from these people she's been cheating on him with. She has three kids, and they all come from pregnancies outside of their marriage. Hosea is just so distraught, but he keeps obeying God, bringing her back to the home and restoring her to intimacy. But then this woman, Goma, she really gets herself in trouble because she gets herself sold into slavery. And then, you know, Hosea is kind of relieved, like, oh, she's hands of this woman. But God says, no, I want you to go buy her out of slavery. And He's like, what? She already belongs to me. She's my wife. Now I have to pay for her again? So he goes and he buys her out of slavery and he takes her back in. And then God says, You know, I want you people to understand that this real-life story of what I've asked Hosea to walk through is how I actually feel about you, my people. It's like no matter how many times you turn away and you fill your desire for intimacy with other things, I will never stop chasing you down. I will never stop pursuing you. There's nothing you can do that will stop me. I've paid the ultimate price. You are mine 100%. Nothing you can do about it. (laughs) If we believe that God won't show up or that he doesn't love us or approve of us, even when he's there showering us with his love and approval, um, nothing's sinking in and it seems too good to be true and we're numb to his voice, it's almost like we're tuning into the wrong radio station. So if you imagined it like, God's constantly talking to you, constantly pursuing you, constantly pouring love out on you, right? Imagine if that's like a radio frequency. So there's all these radio frequencies in the air right now, right? If we had a radio here, we could pick up any of those stations. We could tune into one single frequency. They're all washing over us 24-7. But we it's like, if I'm using that as the metaphor, it's like you can tune into the voice of whatever you believe is true. So if you believe in the voice of the accuser that you really are worthless and God's not going to talk to you and oh, God won't give me his love, you know, I'm not worth that. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not special. There's nothing important about me. If we believe that voice from the enemy, what happens is we tune into that and we actually catch that voice and it lands for us because that is what we believe to be true. And we hear it and we're like, Yep, see, I know. That's that's all true to me. And then we can even find scripture to back ourselves up a lot of the time. That voice of the accuser can sound a lot like the Bible, because, you know, that's what Satan used to trick Jesus, try and trick Jesus in the in the desert when he was tempting him. It's it's a nasty thing. But if we hone in on the frequency of God's voice, that's constantly talking, constantly washing over us, and we tune into that one instead, we'll be bombarded with all the fruit of the Spirit because every fruit of the Spirit is just a part of his nature. We'll be bombarded with love and joy and peace and patience and it'll almost sound too good to be true. It's like, is that really you, Lord? Wow. <laughs> so, um, hmm if you find it easier to agree with the accuser's voice over you than the voice of your father, I would just encourage you to find yourself some scriptures like anchors. Um, so what I've done, because I've had to walk this out heaps and i still got heaps more to go because there's a ton of lies that I still believe. But um, what I do is I find a scripture that directly contradicts the lie that I'm believing about God's nature. And then I'll print out a bunch of them on whatever I am trying to be free from. And I put them next to my bed and I'll read them in the mornings and I'll also go to them when I'm having a rough time hearing the voice of the accuser again. I lay down and go, hold up. I know that sounds true to me, but that's not matching with these scriptures that say who you really are, Lord. So I choose to believe those things. And it's like choosing to change the dial on the radio station and tune into God even when... It doesn't even feel like it could possibly be true. It's too good. Um, As you do that more and more, that's the process of renewing your mind that Paul talks about. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you want to be transformed and really be able to carry the presence of the Lord, then the way to be transformed is by renewing your mind. So if your mind's believing lies, we need to get it believing some truth so that you can receive everything that God's constantly pouring out there was this woman in the Bible who received so much love from God that she ended up with just this massive reservoir of love on the inside of her and she just bubbled up with it you know she could not contain her love for God she was like this spring of water that just kept leaking everywhere her story's in Luke chapter 7. So she's this, she's identified as a sinful woman. So something about her is sinful. And she and she basically gets super passionate in her love for Jesus and is having a big cry and wiping his feet with her hair and, and all this stuff in front of the religious leaders at dinner time and just being so weird. And all the religious leaders are like, ill. You're being weird and stop it. (laughs) That's a big emotional display. Um, And she's just lavishing him with her love and she couldn't stop. She couldn't. And um, yeah, the religious leaders were kind of grossed out and they thought, oh, Jesus must not understand how simple she is. But Jesus explained to them the reason why she was able to love so passionately. And this is, it says in Luke 7, verse 47. He says, I tell you, Her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So, she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little only shows a little love. So, this woman had just been able to receive so much of God's love that her insides were just bursting with it, you know? She didn't even have to think about pouring her love out on Jesus, it was just bubbling out of her like this spirit spring that she could barely control. Her tank on the inside of her was full to the brim and leaking with love. So if you want to bubble over with love, maybe you want to let him reveal his nature of forgiveness to you. That's how she got it. She realised how deeply she'd been forgiven when you let him feed you with the depths of his forgiveness, you will have a deep well of love on the inside of you, just like this woman. And a lot of times when people read that um, story, they think, oh, well, I haven't sinned that badly, so I guess I'm only ever destined to love a little... But I think that what he's actually saying is, no, she had a revelation of how much she sinned. We've all sinned, shockingly. Like, look at Paul. Pharisee of Pharisees, like, basically never broke the law, was super, super good. And he called himself the worst of sinners. So he had a revelation. Oh, my gosh, look what I've been forgiven. Oh, my goodness, Jesus. So it can be harder for those of us who haven't really stuffed up our lives in an obvious way. She'd stuffed up her life in an obvious way because they identified her as a sinful woman. But it can be super hard when you haven't. So that requires revelation. Um, And it can hurt a little bit as well. So it's kind of off-putting. But at the same time, if you're brave enough to just ask him to show you um, how deeply he's forgiven you, oh, so worth it because your love tank just explodes. And then it's easy, easy to love Jesus. Um In this fast, if you keep filling your hunger with spiritual like spiritual hunger with junk, then you 'll miss out on having the father feed you from himself. so I just thought imagine if I was one of those people in Korea right and and um you know I'd been eating boiled bark and and you know sand to fill my tummy, and then I found a bit of boot leather, and that 's like a prize. ...feast when you've only been eating bark and 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 sand. And so I'm boiling up this boot leather and then somebody comes in and says... ...hold up, there's a big food truck coming. It's it's showing up in, in just a little while... ...and you'll be able to eat proper, good, nourishing food in just a second. And um, imagine if I had only ever seen food trucks come that were empty. And I'm looking out there thinking well, I don't know because I haven't seen that happen before and I'm not too sure if it will because I've seen plenty of empty food trucks and you're telling me this one's going to have food for me? I don't know. But I have this boot leather right in front of me and that's going to fill my tummy at least for today. Sometimes we can feel a little bit like that where we're just like, well, yeah, I hear that God's willing to pour all this stuff out on me and but, you know... Every time that I've tried, I I haven't experienced that. I haven't felt filled from him. And so we just think, you know what, it's easier to eat the boot leather. I know it'll make me sick, but it'll fill me up today. And so we choose the other things that have been filling our spiritual hunger instead because we just don't trust that he's gonna show up. And that makes so much sense. I mean, I don't know what I'd do in that situation. It's really hard when you're starving. You're so hungry that to put off eating for even longer is absolute agony when you've got food right in front of your face that you can access like that. But to tell somebody to wait, that's hard. It's like choosing pain when you're already in excruciating pain. Hmm... I've got a story about a time that I fasted for five whole minutes <laughs> and God came through for me in a way that just was so cool. Um, so <laughs> I, before I had kids, I had a bit of a drinking problem and I, it was really more of a peace problem. I, I didn't know Father God as the God of peace ...I hadn't encountered that aspect of his nature. And I'd been through some horrible situations... ...and had a lot of trauma going on, a lot of grief, a lot of sadness. I was experiencing panic attacks. I was just overwhelmed by fear and anxiety. I was so hypervigilant that I couldn't sleep at night. I'd wake up with a start to every noise. I was really not in a good mental health space... And so what I'd found was that when I would drink alcohol, it would just give me instant peace. Just like that. It was like, oh man, I can have a break from this horrible existence that I'm living in. And it was, it was so good. Although I felt sick often the next day and I felt embarrassed because it was a bit of a problem because I was doing it obsessively. I started hiding, I started getting a bit deceitful. The fruit in my life was awful, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't good for me what I was doing, but for me, it was like just getting me through. Because I was I was starving for peace. And so anyway, this one time I'm sitting out the back of my house and I poured myself a glass of red wine and I I lifted up to start drinking. And I it's hard to say God told me, you know, these exact words because it was more like a communication to my heart. Like I got this very strong sense of God saying something to my heart and so I'm going to translate what that was into words just so that I don't um, misrepresent what happened. Um, But I got this very strong sense of him going something like, wait, just give me a gap. It was almost like, just wait for the food truck, it's coming. It's coming just pause and I was like okay and because I knew that was him I knew that was his voice it was very powerful when it came out of the blue like that I was like right I'm gonna all in just wait for him right now so I grabbed the whole bottle I tipped the whole thing out I tipped the glass out because I didn't even want to have a fallback in case he didn't show up because that felt like um a way for my heart to not fully engage in trusting that he would show up So I tipped it all out and we lived half an hour out of town. So I knew that I'd have to drive all the way into town and come back if he didn't show up and that would be a pain. So I was just sitting there and then I waited and I waited and I wasn't feeling any peace. And I was like, oh no, he's not going to show up. And so I waited and five minutes is a super long time when he said he's going to do something and he hasn't done it yet. And you're just like, oh, but I need it right now, Lord. I'm not coping. Anyway, about five minutes later, I just get this whoosh of peace just wash over me. Man, it was so awesome. It was like, you know how the Bible says, don't get drunk on wine, get drunk on my spirit? There is a reason. That just trumps it massively. Like that peace is just next level. Oh man, he just totally overwhelmed me with it. Just filled me up on the inside. And, you know, I didn't immediately um, get set free from my drinking problem. It still took a process of time. But it was every time that I went to choose that, I now had another option where I knew, no, you could come through for me here. And so I would choose him again and choose him again and choose him again until it was not even a conscious choice I had to make. He just showed up for me like that. It was very cool. Um, So... Yeah, when I received the truth of who God was, the God of peace, that truth broke the lies in my life that were holding me in bondage. And then I was able to receive the real truth, which was himself and his peace. And his peace just filled me up so I could live from that place. Um, Yeah, like it says in 1 John again, we love because he first loved us. I could operate from peace because I was first filled with peace. Now... What's all this got to do with being missional people, you might wonder? There's a great quote I'd love to read together from Jack Frost. This guy's written a few books about learning to receive the Father's love and they're fantastic if you want to understand this more. So it says, The great commandment to love God and to love others is a call to intimacy. The great commission to go and make disciples is a call to fruitfulness. Intimacy is to precede fruitfulness. The great commandment must precede the great commission and is an inseparable part of it. When intimacy does not precede fruitfulness, we easily become subject to our own mission and become focused upon religious duty, hyper-religious activity and aggressive striving that leaves an angry edge in our life and our relationships. So Jack basically points out that there's an, there's an order and intimacy with God always needs to come first so that we can have any good fruit as a missional people. So when we go out to share what's on the inside of us with others, it's not really the good news, it's not really the gospel, if we're going out and sharing the goodness that we've come up with on our own, by ourselves, because that's self-righteousness. So basically, if we go without being filled, what we're sharing with people as good news is just good head knowledge at best, at worst, it's a religious spirit that binds people and puts heavy burden on their back. And Jesus hates it. He hates us to do that. He, he absolutely got so upset with the Pharisees for doing that to people. It's cruel. It's actually so cruel to go out and share what sounds like good news, but is actually a heavy burden and a bondage on people. We can only share good news that we live from in our heart that he's filled us up with, we leak the fruit. Anything else is wax fruit, is pretend. It's fruit that we came up with in our own strength and it's not worth sharing. Say, hey, here's a delicious apple and someone bites into it and it's just wax. They're going to be like, that's not delicious. That's gross. And God agrees. <laughs> yeah. So... Anyway, our next corporate fast will be starting on on Friday. Um, I was supposed to be talking about fasting, but I really felt as though the Lord wanted to go more into. Receiving, because he he would really love us to be still and know that he is God and receive from him this fast and be ministered to him by this fast. But if you're confused about the basics of fasting, um, there are a few really great people who do talks on that, like Mike Bickle, Lou Engle, um, and Rachel Burton did a couple of great sermons on it too a while back. So I can put the links up to that on the Paradox page. Um, I'm just going to skip... The next bit because we don't really need to do that and now could you guys um, play the video in just a sec um, I welcome you guys to have a soak in these words from your father and after the video I'm going to ask Marty to come up um, because he's an epic father in this house and I'm going to ask him to pray a father's blessing over us all and then anyone who'd like to come up for prayer um, you know if you got father wounds and stuff like that
1: Yeah, I'm so grateful, Lord. I'm so grateful. We have a a, we have a prayer in Elijah House and a And it's called the Father's Blessing. And uh, I just feel to just do that over all of you. And one of the issues of connecting with the Father is that us men, as fathers, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. And we're not good dads in every way. Because if we were, we'd be full of pride. And so there's parts of us that have this, there's like blockers that we can't receive the full love of God because we look to our own fathers to receive the love of the Father. And so I'd like to stand in proxy for your dads that weren't strong enough. They were weak in certain areas. And to help us to receive from the Father is to let go of that. To let him in there. So I, I now stand in proxy for your dads. Each Dad just close your eyes and just think about your own dad and there was places he's let you down. There's parts where he either didn't provide enough or he didn't say enough or the biggest one was he didn't listen enough or he was absent. So I'm going to speak for your dads right now and say this. I'm so sorry for not encouraging you. For not standing in my role as a priest. For not fighting for you. For not hearing you. For not seeing you. I'm sorry for not being there when you needed me. I'm sorry for my self-righteousness. I'm sorry for hiding behind religion. I'm sorry for not speaking words of life over you. I'm so, so sorry. Can you please forgive me? I want to say some of the stuff that I didn't say. I want to say that I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud to be your dad. I'm so proud that you are my son and my daughter. You're amazing. You are amazing. You are way bigger than you think you are. You're way smarter than you think you are. And you're way more complex than you can even understand. I bless you in your coming in, and I bless you on your going out. I bless your spirit to know that God is with you and has not forsaken you. I bless your spirit to know that He is provider, comforter, and He is your peace. I bless your spirit to know that you are forgiven. You're no longer lost. You're found. You're no longer blind. But now you see. I bless your spirit to know that you're not being judged. You're not being measured. You are seen, you are heard, and you are so valuable. I bless you. 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 you. Bless you. Receive my blessing. Will you receive the blessing of a father? Receive your blessing, Jesus.
2: We do thank you, Father, for your, for your hand upon us today, Lord. And Father, as we go from this place, we thank you, Lord, that your face will continue to shine upon us, Lord. That your goodness will continue to follow us, Lord. And we pray in this week, and as, even as then we lead into the fast, Lord, we just pray for radical encounters with your love this week radical encounters with your delight with with wonder awe, worship and love thank you father amen amen well bless you thank you bethia thank you marty for for praying for us and blessing us Uh, you're welcome just to be present where you are Again, if you're, if you're in need of prayer, you're welcome to come hang out at the front here. And one of our awesome team would love to pray for you. Uh, but if not, it is, uh, we're going to share pies together. So uh, if you want to head out, even just to start conversation, maybe out in the foyer just to leave this space for anyone who wants to continue to dwell for a bit. So love you guys. Bless you. Have an amazing week.